Our next lessons is, come from the book of Isaiah, uh, that great, greatest of all prophetic books, perhaps. It ties together the Old Covenant and the New Covenant, the Old Testament and the New Testament, the most frequently quoted book in the New Testament, except for the Psalms, I presume. Uh, before I read, though, I want to explain something to you. This is my first World Communion uh, Sunday with you, and you'll notice I have on a rather distinctive uh, stole this morning, but there's a story behind it that I, I want you to be aware of. Um, I wear it to remind me of how widespread uh, this day is and how big this table of the Lord is. When I went to uh, serve a church in Vicksburg, Mississippi, uh, back in the mid-70s, there was a young man there who had uh, arrived before I got there. He was a foreign exchange student. He was from Ghana in Africa. His name was Setri Naomi. And Setri came to Vicksburg. They had a big exchange, foreign exchange program. And he was living with uh, an African-American family uh, that were Baptist. And when it came time for worship on Sunday, the family was going to church, said, Setri, we're going to church. And he said, oh, I always go to church, but I'm Presbyterian, so I'm going to the Presbyterian church. And they said, well, you need to know that the Presbyterian church is not integrated, and there aren't any black members at that church, and you might feel uncomfortable. He said, oh, no, they will accept me. This is 15 years old now. And so Setri came to the church in his naivete and won over that congregation. Everybody fell in love with Setri. Naomi. He integrated the church. He integrated the youth group. Um, and then when he left after a year and went back to Africa and to Ghana, that church helped support him. He finished a college at a Presbyterian college in Ghana. And then he came back to America with the support of people he had met in that little church in Vicksburg. He went to Princeton Seminary. He stayed and he went to Yale, got an advanced degree at Yale. Came back to Princeton, got his Ph.D. at Princeton. And then went back to Ghana to serve as a pastor in the Evangelical Presbyterian Church of Ghana. In time, he became the director of the All-African Council of Churches. And then he moved from there and became the executive director of the World Alliance of Reformed Churches all over the world. Presbyterian and Reformed Churches. A remarkable young man. And everyone who's known or met Setri and Akfini, his wife, and their children know what a wonderful couple it is. But he gave me this stole when he was leaving. And he said, I want you to wear it on World Communion Sunday because uh, I want you to remember me and I'm going to remember you. And so I wear it as a reminder to myself. Hopefully it will be a reminder to you if you ever see it again that uh, just what a wonderful day this is. And that is the focus of our worship. This table, we'll, we'll be joined at this table with all sorts and conditions of men and women who are our brothers and sisters in Christ, if in fact we are the children of God and servants of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our two scripture lessons are wonderful passages from Isaiah. The first is from the 55th chapter, the first five verses. You can follow along in your own Bible or in a pew Bible, if you will. Let us listen for the word of God. Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come, buy, and eat. Come, buy wine and milk, without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me, and eat what is good, and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me, listen 
so that you may live. I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. See, I made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and a commander for the peoples. See, you shall call nations that you do not know, and nations that do not know you shall run to you. Because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. And moving now to the 56th chapter, the first eight verses. Thus says the Lord, maintain justice and do what is right. For soon my salvation will come and my deliverance will be revealed. Happy is the mortal who does this, the one who holds it fast, who keeps the Sabbath, not profaning it, and refrains from doing any evil. Do not let the foreigner join to the Lord say, the Lord will surely separate me from his people. And do not let the eunuch say, I am just a dry tree. For thus says the Lord to the eunuchs who keep Sabbaths, who choose the things that please me and hold, my, hold fast my covenant, I will give in my house and within my walls a monument and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. And the foreigner who joins themselves to the Lord to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord and to be his servants, all who keep the Sabbath and do not profane it and hold fast my covenant, these I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar. For my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. Thus says the Lord who gathers the outcast of Israel. I will gather others to them besides those already gathered. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And we welcome those who are worshiping today with us by way of live streaming. Uh, and especially I want to say a word of welcome to those who are at Abbotswood. I am told that this is the fifth anniversary of all our residents at Abbotswood who get together and worship on Sunday through live streaming. And I know that there are many others out there who are worshiping with us uh, by this technology as well. Uh, occasionally I hear from one of our members who is living away for a while or is physically incapable of making it. And I know what a service this is, but just want you to know that we consider you a part of our congregation. And we look for the day when we will all sit down together at the table of our Lord. Now, this being World Communion Sunday, if you had received an invitation earlier in the week inviting you to a free-for-all here at the church on uh, Sunday morning, I wonder what you would have thought. You may have thought, well, I guess uh, those session meetings have really gotten out of control. <laughs> or maybe something's going on in the choir that we don't know about. But usually you don't think about a free-for-all at the church because typically that means a brawl, a fight with no, ru no rules, no holds barred. Any, I'll take on all comers, but if I'm allowed to define a free-for-all, then I would say that this sacrament today and this table of the Lord is also a free and for all. That's what Isaiah is saying. He's talking about the coming messianic banquet that the Jews anticipated and that Christians anticipate as well. This banquet, this feast in God's kingdom, when the kingdom comes in all of its fullness, is free. It's available to anyone who will accept the invitation to come and to be a part of it. You don't need money. If you had money, you couldn't afford to buy a seat at this table. You don't need status. 
All you need is to the grace to accept what is being offered to you and to come and to share in the meal that has been prepared for you. To listen for what God is saying to you. To try to see what God is doing. To keep his covenant. To recognize that you belong to him. And are a part of his family. As are brothers and sisters all around the world. You see the Jews believed in a messianic banquet that was to come. Uh, It's talked about in the scripture. Isaiah 25. You can go and read that later. That God is preparing this wonderful banquet it will have the best of wine the best of of meat and all of God's people will sit together at table with him it will be the greatest of celebrations the most wonderful banquet the universe has ever seen or will see and it is here at this banquet and at this table that all the needs of God's people will ultimately be met all their desires fulfilled all their hunger satisfied all their thirsts quenched and the Lord Jesus Christ when he established what we call the Eucharist the Lord's Supper Holy Communion he envisioned this same banquet he just infused it with new meaning because the Passover meal also looked forward to that day that would come and that was just a foretaste when the when the Jews celebrated the Passover in a Seder meal they remembered their redemption they remembered what God had done for them And they broke bread, reminding them of the bread of suffering and the bread that didn't have time to rise. It would be matzah bread. And they would eat the bread and it symbolized their redemption. And they would also have a cup of wine which represented the blood of the lamb that was spread over the doorpost of the houses to spare God's children when the plagues came. And Jesus is saying, yes, we're going to continue this, but it means something new. This is now the new covenant which was promised in the old. And from now on, when you break this bread, it symbolizes my body that is about to be broken. And when you drink of this cup, it represents, yes, the blood of the lamb, but the blood that is about to be shed and not the blood that was shed back in Egypt. And he tells his disciples, I have so longed to share this meal with you, and I will not share it again until I share it with you in the kingdom can you imagine sitting at table with the Lord with all those people you have loved and lost for a while that are going to be sitting at table with you once again the communion of the saints will be gathered there people from all races ethnicities all colors and hues all sorts and conditions will come together in God's kingdom and celebrate together And what we're doing to this day with the sacrament, it's just a prelude. It's a brief foretaste of that banquet that will inevitably and eventually come, we dare to believe. And of course, this invitation to come to this banquet remains as free and as gracious as always. Regardless of your wealth, you don't have enough money to buy a seat at this table. There are no strings that you can pull to get a seat here. Nothing you can do will earn you a spot. No service you can render, no dues you can pay. It's just offered. You can accept or reject, but you can't merit a spot at this table. All you can do is accept or reject the invitation that is offered you. And despite the fact that 
What we find at this table is ultimately what satisfies our deepest hungers and thirst and satisfies our needs. You are certainly free, as Isaiah reminds us, and reminded people in his own day that you can waste your money on things that don't satisfy. You can spend your energies and time elsewhere. But what you're longing for in life, the longings that God has planted, planted within you, they can only be satisfied in a relation with this God who longs to be at table with you. Now let's be uncomfortably candid here because quite frankly, this bothers some of us who call ourselves Christians. Some people complain that it's so free. What can it be worth if it has no cost attached to it? Of course, we know that there is a severe cost attached to it, but not one that we pay. It was the cost that Jesus paid himself. And we don't like to think of ourselves as being recipients of charity, even God's charity. But despite what we feel or think, we cannot merit or earn a spot at God's table. No matter what we do, no matter who we are, no matter any of the circumstances of our lives. And most of us have been schooled to think that if any deal appears to be too good, it probably should not be trusted. You know, we're cynics by nature. When merchants offer us free gifts, we think, well, there's something, there's a catch here. If there's not a catch, there ought to be. If we're getting something free, after all, anything that doesn't cost us something can't be that good, right? Wrong. God's grace is like that doesn't cost us anything but it's very costly all we can do is receive it I heard a story years ago I think I may even have been in high school a story about a, a ship that sank when it was in the South Atlantic and most of the crew was able to get off the boat and into a life raft and they drifted for days out in the open sea and they were dying of thirst they ran out of water quickly and they knew that they would probably not survive because they had no water. And one day they saw a ship approaching and they were able to get the attention of those on board the ship. And they came over and they cried out to what they knew would be their rescuers, water, water. And those on the ship said, just dip your buckets in the water beneath you. They thought at first they were being mocked. But what they didn't know was they had drifted into that portion of the South Atlantic where the waters, the fresh waters of the Amazon River flow for miles out into the sea. They were dying of thirst in a sea of fresh water and didn't even know it. The grace of God is much like that. So available, all you have to do is receive it. But if Isaiah 55 helps us to see, and it does, how free this banquet is how it doesn't cost us anything then the next chapter the 56th chapter helps us to see that it's also for all people and if we didn't like the fact that it was free some of us may not like the fact that everybody is included here no matter who they are no matter what their circumstances may be and no other day on the Christian calendar celebrates the inclusive love of God the universal love of God, as does this World Communion Sunday. Because there are no foreigners at this table. There are no forgotten people. It's offered to all. Now, when, 
Isaiah was writing this. Their circumstance was this. They had just returned from Babylonian captivity. And when they returned after 70 years away, those who could make it back, the land was different. It was populated now with an amalgam of people, all kinds of races and ethnicities and religions. And the people of God began to wonder, well, will these people be allowed in the temple when we rebuild it and restore it? Because under the old covenant, there were many who could not go there. Gentiles could not enter the inner sanctum of the temple. Women were kept in the courtyard outside. If you had any kind of physical disability, you weren't accepted. If you want to know what God thinks about including all people, all you have to do is read the 56th chapter of Isaiah. My house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples, Isaiah declares. All peoples. Even eunuchs. Now the eunuchs were, when they were in Babylonian exile, many of the men who wished to serve in positions in the government back in Babylon, before they could serve, they had to be neutered. And so when many of these men came back, they knew because of the old law, they weren't allowed in the temple. And yet God includes them. He says, I'm going to give you something better than sons and daughters. You're going to be remembered forever. I'm going to make a monument for you, and you're welcome in my house. If we don't like the fact that this table is free, we may not like either the fact that it's available to all. We like to be members of exclusive groups, don't we? To live in exclusive neighborhoods, to attend exclusive schools, to join exclusive fraternities and sororities. But here we see an inclusivity that maybe we haven't sought or recognized fully. And sometimes when we close our doors to those who are different from us, we may not just be shutting them out. We may be shutting the Lord out. My house, he says, shall be a house of prayer for all peoples. We don't know what to make of this radical inclusiveness. It's so foreign to us in many ways. We think that, oh, we're at the table because we must deserve it somehow. God has blessed us and we've recognized his blessing, so there's a spot for us here. We've been invited to sit at the banqueting table of our Lord. But if you note the invitation that comes to you, it's addressed occupant. It's not because of who you are. Not because of what you have done. It's not because of what you have. It's because you're a child of God and he loves you and wants his family to be complete with you there. How is it that we as recipients of such an inclusive love can turn and practice an exclusive love? Strange, wondrous strange indeed is it that those of us who've been the beneficiaries of God's grace can be graceless in dealing with others. Oh yes, we sing amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. But some of us may be thinking, Amazing grace, how strange the sound that saved a wretch like him. We're all wretches. We may not like that. I heard of a woman who came out of church one Sunday and she told 
the pastor they'd sung Amazing Grace apparently and she said sir I am no wretch well she didn't look very deep into her own soul when I first started thinking about a free for all and why this would come to mean a brawl an argument a disagreement I I never did find the reason for that by the way if someone knows you can let me know later but the more I thought of it, the more I thought, well, I guess anything that is free and for all probably has within it the seeds of disagreement or dissension or intense argumentation. It just kind of goes against our nature. It's contrary to what we often believe and think. But it brings us face forward with another truth that Isaiah says later in this chapter, my thoughts are not your thoughts. And my ways are not your ways, says the Lord. Oh, that we can only make our thoughts more like the thoughts of our Lord. And our actions more like His. Not simply when we come to the table. But when we're dealing, dealing with the whole tableau of life itself. So especially on this World Communion Sunday, as we gather about the table. Let us remember and thank God. That this grace, this invitation is extended to all of us, none of whom deserve it. Thank God that he was so inclusive because if we had been in Jerusalem at the time, Isaiah is right, we would not have been welcomed in the temple either. We would have been among most of us, among those Gentiles that were kept at arm's distance. And those who gathered at the table, all of us, We'll be struggling still with our own sins and failings. Struggling with how we in our own way may continue to practice discriminating love and acceptance of others. But here, today, especially today, this table is for the wealthy, it's for the poor, it's for the black, the white, the brown, the yellow it's available to whatever your political persuasion may be. It's available to the maimed. It's available to the sexually anomalous. It's available to the liberal and the conservative, the Greek and the Jew. It's available to anyone who will accept the invitation, will listen for the Lord, will strive to live as his people and to serve him in the world and in the church. And we can affirm with our forefathers. This is the joyful feast of the people of God. And people are going to come from east and west and north and south. And sit at table in his kingdom. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.